And I just pulled off the side of the road and I wept like a baby. I couldn't, I couldn't drive. And after several minutes, finished my drive home and then came to the, went inside and it was cold, went inside and was looking at the full moon through a window in our door. I was still sobbing and weeping. And I opened my eyes and looked at the moon and I said, thank you God for this pain. Welcome to this special edition of Awakening Lives, a podcast of the Spirituality Network. We seek to cultivate the awakened life through contemplative living and action. Joining me today are Roy and June Smoot, and I am really looking forward to this conversation because they have a special offering for friends of the Spirituality Network. Roy and June, welcome so much. Uh, thank you for being here. Can you share our list with our listeners uh, just a little bit about yourselves? Uh, good morning. My name is June Smoot. I live here in Kennebunk, Maine. I uh, um, We moved here um, a few years prior to the pandemic. Um, I lived in Lancaster and Bexley, Ohio actually for about 18 years. I attended St. Albans Episcopal Church in Bexley, and that is where I um, met Judy and Roy. Um, we became friends, uh, it was an unusual friendship uh, due to our um, experiences of, of enjoying the main coast. So we had a little fun with that um, when we would meet at church. Um, I am a retired dietitian, uh, love to be outdoors in nature and, um, uh, look forward to this podcast. Thank you, June. Welcome. Roy. Hello, Alejandro. And hello, everyone listening. Um, Roy Smoot. Uh, obviously I live up here in Maine with June. Um, lived in... Born in St. Louis, but grew up in Ohio and lived in Columbus for, oh, almost 30 years. Uh, Judy and I lived in Westerville, actually, for 25 years. And then we also had a place, a small cottage in Hideaway Hills, down southeast of Lancaster for several years. And uh, she, she used that for her retreat center for individuals and some small groups from time to time. And as June said, Judy and I met her at St. Albans Episcopal in Bexley. What she didn't tell you was that when June and Judy would start talking about Maine, you might as well just walk away because you couldn't stop them from talking to each other about it. She didn't tell you that part. Nice, nice. So both of you have brought up Judy, which, which uh, many friends of the Spirituality Network will know. Uh, but why don't you introduce Judy uh, to us for those uh, folks who did not have the pleasure of getting to know her? Judy was, um, well, she she and I were together between dating and marriage for almost 41 years. And she had a very dry and wicked sense of humor. Uh, she loved to laugh. She had a great passion and devotion to her own spiritual growth. 
She worked with a spiritual director via uh, the Spiritual Ride Network for um, at least 15 years. So some of you may know her, Amanda Stone Cushing. Um, she also spent a good deal of time with several of the sisters, Sister Noreen, Sister Joan, Sister Carol Ann, through the Wellstreams program and graduated from that um, and took that education, that growth that she experienced and made it an intense part of her life. And from there, she became a spiritual director with her own practice where she did work with individuals and she did work with uh, groups as well. Then she wanted to add, she had a passion for art, which started back in high school in Worthington. And she wanted to add art to her tool belt, if you want to call it that, plus her own personal passion for it. And she became a uh, graduate of the Expressive Arts Florida Expressive Arts Institute in Sarasota. And that was a two and a half year curriculum. And she added that to her to her uh, curriculum, to her studies, her retreats, and, and her contemplative prayer sessions and things. Uh, she also had flaming red hair, um, which she used to get some fun, some fun comments about, and she loved it. And people said, well, why did you make your hair red? Because she was not a red, natural redhead. She said, because I can. I love it. <laughs> oh. How did you know her? Oh, gosh. Um, meeting her um, at St. Albans and, and Roy, they were uh, an amazing couple. I just admired how they um, worked together, supported one another. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I didn't feel like a creative person, but she brought, uh, she brought uh, artwork to those who would like to express themselves when she would offer a contemplative prayer session. Um, and we got to um, experience whatever kind of uh, um, artistic qualities we, we had um, as parishioners, we would gather and she would always joke and say, hey, whatever you put together is, is, is what, <clears throat> what, what you were meant to do and have fun with it. So um, just a joyful, uh, high energy, loving, compassionate gal that uh, I just so admired and loved. If I may add one other thing, she had a real passion for people who were experiencing chronic disease. In fact, she started a nonprofit, Always We Begin Again, with the whole focus of serving people with chronic disease, living through it, whether it was the individual or a caregiver. And she would have people to our little retreat house or do things online. She did podcasts and a variety of things. It was prompted primarily by uh, serving as a hospice volunteer for 15 years at Kobacher there in Columbus. And she also helped care for her aunt who died of the same brain cancer that Judy, that took Judy um, about 15, 18 years before, maybe mm -hmm. 20 years before. So that passion for people with chronic illnesses came very naturally and experientially. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure that these experiences and, and Judy's life in general are what led to 
uh, the book that you've just published. Can you talk to us a little bit about uh, this book? Why, you know, how is it organized? And maybe what's different about this book from other things that you've seen? Um, this is a book to be experienced and absorbed. And to me, that includes, to us, that includes not just reading it, but experiencing it. It is a large book, physically. It's about 10 inches by 10 inches and about an inch thick. And it has a great number of Judy's mandala artwork, all original art. It is, we've, everyone that has seen it, one of their first reactions is, wow, this is a beautiful book which is an incredible compliment to the people who worked on at Judy's Art, as well as the designers who worked at, worked with at uh, Jenkins uh, Book Group up in Traverse City, Michigan. They said they were inspired by her art. And as you go, go through the book, there's a, there are spaces for you to use it. People look at the book and say, oh, I can't. I can't write on this. I can't do this. And we tell them, if this was Judy looking at you, she would tell you, it's your book. Mess it up. Make it yours. Mm -hmm. There are large margins. Uh, there are pages for reader's notes, which was June's idea, to put those in there after different sections. And it's organized from three, three primary sections. One is how to live. This is a book of basically the last three and a half, four years of Judy's life. So the first couple years recounted, if you want to call it that, are how to live. We had just moved to our uh, full-time to our cottage in southeastern Ohio. She was completing, starting and completing her expressive arts studies in Florida. Um, and then that was the how to live section. And then how to die starts with when she was diagnosed. Uh, when a emergency room doctor in Lancaster said, you have a large mass in your right temporal lobe after an x-ray, and she had passed out. And then 10 months later, um, and Al called her home, hooted three times and called her spirit home. Mm -hmm. um, so the middle section is the entire journey through her treatments and diagnosis and her strength. And the pain that we both went through, the um, the why that we both ask, and then we move to acceptance, um, our pleading with each other, our pleading with God, our acceptance, um, and then her death. And the last section is how I, it's called how to survive, what I did for two years to to truly just survive, to move from hour to hour to day to day. And I did that through uh, journaling, some traveling. And my journaling, Alejandro, was <laughs> I had a journal with me everywhere I went, whether it was Wendy's or Starbucks or a local pub or a national park out in uh, Arizona, Colorado, um, in Iona, Scotland at a shopping mall, it didn't matter. I was writing and observing. 
and listening to what was going on inside my heart, listening to God, listening to Judy. Um, so the other thing I'd say about the first two parts of the book, it's her comments and meditations and art, my comments and observations about what's, what was going on during those two plus years are also interspersed. So readers are going to get a kind of a dual narrative what she was seeing and experiencing, what I was seeing and experiencing. Nice. So it, it occurs to me, we haven't said what the title of the book is. Oh. Could, could you share what the title is and, and why did you land on that? The title is It All Belongs. Love, loss, and learning to live again. It all belongs. We settled on that. There were some studies that Judy did through her Wellstreams program that talked about uh, the concept or the concepts of something is either either or or both hand. And many of your, your listeners will be familiar with that. And as we worked through different things, we were talking, Judy and I, at different times about the, the junk, you know, cancer sucks. Um, this is, and we had other, I probably shouldn't say some words for it <laughs> online um, about this, but we all always came back to it all belongs throughout our lives, pain, joy, beauty, anger, frustration, everything belongs. It's all part of our life experiences. So that's really where we, I kept remembering those conversations and that's where the title came from. Nice, nice. So you mentioned uh, Judy's art, and there is a lot of art in the book. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, what was the experience of sifting through that and identifying which pieces to um, to include and where to include them? Just speak about her art. She was, um, I asked June to add some things here, too. Um, Judy was an artist, whether it's the art of putting pencil and watercolor to paper and mandalas or things that she would do in the garden or the way she would write. Um, she had an artist's soul, a spiritual art, artist's soul. She also did a great deal of weaving. Her, her final project through the Expressive Arts Program was something called Sayori. I think it's spelled S-A-O-R-I. It's a form of Japanese free weaving with no pattern. And we have it hanging at our house. It's about a seven foot long by three feet wide. Beautiful art. We've, we've woven art. Um, so everything she did came out of that artist's heart and soul. As far as how we... We chose because she had hundreds and hundreds of art images, and it wasn't just mandalas. You'll see other art in here that is not a mandala that she would create. She took online courses to help develop her art skills and her creativity and her fun, her funness about her art. Mm. Um, as we went through it, um, our co-writer, Melinda Foles, and I – I went down to visit her in Texas and we literally sat around 
the dining room table and went through Judy's writings and her art and played a matching game mm. of what fit. Now, a lot of it was chosen by the timing of her journey with expressive arts and life and things. But then we still had to choose which ones. Um, it was difficult. This book is about 85,000 words, something like that. But we sifted through 900,000 words down to that, uh, some serious editing. And June sat in on many of those, those editing sessions, didn't you? Yes, I did. And it was difficult to make the choices of what to, <clears throat> what to leave in and what to let go of. But mm -hmm. we wanted the book to be in the hands of as many people as possible. So we just kept working away. And, and uh, why why did you want to write this book in the first place? What's what was your motivation? A couple of things, Alejandro. Um, one, when people would see Judy's art and read some of her devotionals and her online um, programs that she did, they would say repeatedly, "Judy, you need to publish this. You need to get this out to people." They need to hear your voice. She used so many scripture references. She used non. She used secular and and sacred uh, references as far as different words from Rumi, um, uh, Saint Saint Bridget, and, and many many others. Um, Richard Rohr, uh, Mark Nepo, Awakening. John McDonough, and I know I'm forgetting uh, some others. Um, and they would tell her that you need to publish this, you need to publish this. And I made a promise to her as she was nearing the end of her life that I would see that her, her work was published. And as difficult as that was, I had to put it aside for a while. It was just too painful. Yeah. Um, and then a few people that I met with over the two years who read my journaling and my poems and things and drawing on what I learned from Judy started telling me the same thing. You need to publish this for people to see your journey of grief. Um, and a few people said, particularly not just for women, but a few people said, especially for men, because men tend to not express their grief in these ways, these honest, vulnerable ways. Mm -hmm. So we were going to do two books, actually. Mm. Then Melinda helped us with the idea, well, let's combine them. Let's combine them and add your narrative during the first two sections of the book with Judy's art and words. And then... And it makes so much sense to include the survival part after uh, the dying part. I mean, that's, that's what gives you hope. Yeah. Mm. Yes. So that's, that's why we did it. That's, it was a promise and June knew about the promise. Yeah. As soon as I heard about the promise, I was, I was uh, again, um, <clears throat> Judy's spirit just um, uh, boomed within me. Uh, just, um, and, and I wanted 
I wanted Roy and Judy to to do this together, and to I was honored to be a, a part of, of 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 his journey with uh, Melinda and putting the book together. The five year process. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, there are parts of this that are painful to tell and to and to remember. What was life-giving for both of you about putting this book together? The life-giving things were remembering Judy, remembering what Judy and I had together. And it wasn't just the wonderful times. I remember being so, so proud of her when she finished her spiritual direction program at Wellstreams. I remember being so proud of her when she finished her expressive arts program in Florida. She she saw these things and she went after it with a with a passion, almost like a mama bear passion. Don't get in her way because she's going to finish it. And it was just so exciting to be a part of that. And it may sound a little bit ironic or or whatever, but the life-giving, it was also very, very life-giving to remember the incredibly difficult times, her brain surgeries, her stroke, her reaction to the chemo and the different medicines um, um, and the, the radiation and the clinical trials and everything that she went through. Um, it touches, touched a deep part of me that um, was sometimes hard to access, mm-hmm. but let it go. Um, I think it's Henry Nowen says something along the lines of when you when you're experiencing pain and grief. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Don't run away from it. Invite it to the table. Listen yeah. to learn what it has to say. Yes. Um, and then healing for me was was doing it. Um, sometimes people say, when you have pain, just rip the Band-Aid off. Well, maybe that works for some people, but it wasn't It wasn't that way for me. Yeah. It was a process to go through it and to listen and to step. Um, I remember one part of the book that may seem odd to say healing. I don't think it is as I remember it. In the book, I recount one time I'm driving home to our cottage in, in um, Hideaway Hills. And there was a beautiful, it was a beautiful, clear, dark night, an autumn, uh, winter night, actually, because she died in October. And I'm driving home and I see an incredibly full, beautiful moon rising up over the eastern horizon. And again, this is, this is in the book. And I just pulled off the side of the road and I wept like a baby. I couldn't. I couldn't drive. And after several minutes, finished my drive home and then came to the, went inside and it was cold, went inside and was looking at the full moon through a window in our door. And I was still sobbing and weeping. And I opened my eyes and looked at the moon and I said, thank you, God, for this pain. 
that was incredibly healing for me. I never thought I would thank God for that kind of pain. Mm -hmm. um, it was that was a very healing moment. Yeah. Well, it seems like pain like that is real evidence that we have loved. Yes. And there was another healing moment later on in the book that I talk about. Um, I wrote a letter to Judy that's described in the book where I basically asked her for forgiveness if I was holding on to her too tightly. Mm -hmm. And if I was holding so tightly that it was interfering with her moving on to whatever next stages are of our lives after we leave this earth, after our bodies, I should say, after our bodies give up. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I was prompted to write a poem that's in the book called um, Are You Releasing Me? And that was incredibly healing. I That poem came from deep within me, from God, from Judy, asking mm -hmm. them, what are you releasing me and what are you releasing me from? And if you are, what are you releasing me to? Mm -hmm. Who are you releasing me to? Different things. So perhaps those are two examples of some of the, the life-giving and healing aspects of this. Yeah. June, what about for you as, as Judy's friend and and now as, as Roy's wife, what, what was life-giving for you? Well, Judy was ill. Um, I kept thinking about, about her. Um, and I was always praying that she was going to come through this um, illness. And um, every once in a while we would hear through someone at church <clears throat> what what was going on what what kind of medical um issues she was having and um <clears throat> i uh i was uh, deeply shocked um when when judy passed um i was angry um and um she was angry at god she didn't say that but she was i was very angry and yeah. um uh, I just couldn't imagine what Roy was going through. And um, when he found out that I was um, angry, he was the one who reached out to, to try to help me, uh, which blew me away because I, I always imagined that others needed need to help the grieving person. Mm -hmm. And yet, when, as we've spoken about him reaching out and, and trying to soothe my soul, um, <clears throat> uh, I found that he, that was healing for him and, and for me. Um, and I, I learned from him uh that um men hi hide their emotions their grief 
Um, I didn't see that side of, of Roy while he was doing his writing. Um, what I what I saw was the upbeat, positive, um, moving forward uh, actions. And uh, when I later learned that he he had struggled a great deal with with Judy's loss, <clears throat> um, it showed me a whole other side of. <clears throat> of the grief process, and especially, I guess from the from from the male stand standpoint. Yeah, yeah. So, obviously, for people that knew and loved Judy, this will be a special book. What kinds of reactions have you been getting from people who did not know Judy, who've had a chance to experience the book? Oh, um, good question. Um, like I said earlier, the first reaction is, wow, this is a beautiful book. And people are speaking of the visual, the physical nature of it. Um, then others who are reading it, um, and it's been reviewed by some people too, are, are surprised at its honesty, are surprised that it's, it's, there are parts of it that are incredibly raw. Uh, there are parts of it that are um, very tender and beautiful. Um, they are saying that this is a book that they will read and reread. It is something that will help them. Uh, one individual who has not experienced anything, any such event, or chronic disease or anything like that, or cancer, um, losing someone said so this book uh, after I was done reading it it's helping me figure out who I want to be for when those times do come mm -hmm. um, which is very powerful um, a couple of spiritual directors have read it and have said that they plan on using it in their practice it'll be a tool for them and their clients um, there's a, I think they're really surprised by, I keep coming back to it. One is the beauty of it. And two is the honesty from mm -hmm. Judy and me. Mm -hmm. Thank you. The, um, the vision of the spirituality network is to awaken lives. Right. What, what was awakened in you through this process and, and what would you hope would be awakened in others as they read it? What was awakened in me in, the, in, the, in this book project was a real passion to communicate what Judy and I went through. And I don't say that just Judy and I. We speak very completely, I hope, about the many, many people who, who helped us, whether it's the medical professionals, people in the Columbus area who help provide care, food, time, time with us, uh, people in uh, Hideaway Hills who helped, who helped build a ramp when Judy was in a wheelchair for the last few months of her life. Um, it was awakening to see the incredible compassion of people and to relive this 
um, at, at times part of the part of the awakening of working on this project was, as we said earlier, was very painful. Mm -hmm. uh, there were times we would be going through the editing process and uh, with Melinda, and I would just have to stop and move away from the phone or move away from the table. June and Melinda would keep talking and working together. Um, and then I think also what was awakened Alejandro was how to make this book an experience and not a just read it. That that to me that was really Judy speaking. Make this something that people can absorb and can use and um Be a tool or a resource for them. Mm -hmm. And what also was awakened for me is how, and I talk about this in the book a little bit, there are different ways that people deal with grief. I was not a person that being a part of a grief group, but I had incredible help with some people, actually including Amanda. Um, and some others who met with me one-on-one. -on -one. And the gift, one of the gifts they gave me as far as remembering, they didn't try to fix me. That was an incredible awakening gift. And I went back through the book and looked through the notes and the journals and stuff like that. It, people walked with me um, and let me let me be who I needed to be at that moment. Mm -hmm. um, that was incredibly important. Um, you mentioned what was awakened. Um, some of your listeners may know of Christine Waldner's painter, who is the abbess of the online Abbey of the Arts uh, in Ireland. Uh, she and Judy knew each other. Judy actually wrote one or two articles for her online magazine um, and attended one or two of her retreats here in the United States. And she, Christine read it and said, this is an intimate book revealing the journey of the heart from the inside. And this is the, I think, the awakening part. It's also a book of invitations calling us to press against the edges of our lives through a creativity and meditation and discover what brings us alive. Mm. So I think she said very well what some people can possibly experience some awakenings within them too. Yeah. So I, I'm curious, you, you've brought that up a couple of times about experiencing the book. What is it? How do you hope that people actually experience it? You've mentioned actually writing it and, and messing it up. Um, what what is different about how you would experience this book than other books, and and maybe how what you would want people not to do so that they experience it fully? Well, pragmatically, there are the margins are wide on both sides of the page, and when you look at the pages the designers did a great job of incorporating an, an artistic feel and including art on every single page. Um, 
And those margins are there to look beautiful, to reflect Judy's artistic abilities and beauty. They are also there for people to write notes, to highlight many of your listeners. I know I do it when I'm reading through a book, I highlight, I underline, I put comments in the margins and things like that when I go back to remember things. Please do the same with this book if you're so moved. And there are spaces that when you look at some of the art and stuff, you may be moved to do a different, to do a version of art that you want to do. Mm. Something inside of you is moved by what you've seen, what you've read. It's there. And I hope that people allow themselves to do that, to make this not just a book, but to experience it and even a form of a journal in some way. Um, maybe just imagine Judy hanging over their shoulder with a big smile, encouraging them to do so. Hmm. Nice. So where can people learn more about It All Belongs? There is a, we've, we have a website. It's itallbelongsbook.com. That's where you can find out more about it. Um, itallbelongsbook.com. It's actually being published through SparkPoint Press, which is Melinda's small independent publishing company down in Texas. And you can go there and learn about it. You can also click on a button there to actually buy the book as well. And uh, we'll make this available through the Spirituality Network as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'd like to make an offer if it's okay. Sure. I should say June and I would like to make an offer <laughs> that Judy was part of the Spiritual Aid Network. She's a Wellstream graduate. I had the, the humble honor of being on the network's board for a few years. Um, and we would like to make the offer that anyone who buys It All Belongs through the itallbelongsbook.com uh, webpage, that we will be donating a portion of those proceeds back to the network. And I'll be working out the details with you and Alejandro, with you, Alejandro, and others, and we'll work out the details with, with your permission. Thank you. That's very generous, and uh, it would be an honor to to partner on that. So as we um, bring our time together to an end, what closing thoughts, what uh, do you want to reinforce, or what... Uh, what have we not yet expressed about this this book and this journey? Uh, well, I see it as a book where you can pick it up, pick up, uh, go to a section that you'd, you'd like to read about, um, depending on, on where you're at in this journey, if you're a patient, if you're a loved one, if you're a friend, um and, and 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 just just read it in in the moment and 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 
and listen, listen to to yourself, to God, to to the words you're reading, um, and allow allow yourself to be creative and thoughtful, and um, and and move forward if that is where you are led to to go. Thank you, June. Roy? It All Belongs takes place in a situation where um, the, the motivation to, to do it and write it was prompted by what Judy went through with her glioblastoma brain cancer. But this book applies across all sorts of situations whether it's a terminal disease, a chronic disease such as Parkinson's or Alzheimer's or MS, or um, it can apply. And we talk about this in the beginning of the book, the introduction. It can apply to the person who just got the 3 a.m. phone call about a relative across the country, um, whether it's a diagnosis or there's been a terrible accident someone someone has died it applies to different and many forms of grief and joy there's incredible joy in the first two sections of the book without a doubt and there's incredible joy at the very end of the book mm. so i we hope that people don't think well this is a book about grief and someone who died of cancer that's the setting, but it applies to all forms of, of things that happen in our lives because it all belongs, whatever it is. Um, and we hope people use it and share it, whether it's for yourself, whether it's for your spiritual direction practice, whether you are a grief counselor, whether you are or you know someone at a nonprofit who deals with uh, people with different diseases and things. This, this is a book to be used by many, many, many people in a wide variety of settings. We have received an inquiry about it from the Director of Consumer Engagement at the National Funeral Directors Association. Mm -hmm. I never would have thought of something like that. Yeah. Hospice organizations. We want this to be, as June said, in as many hands and hearts as absolutely possible. Well, um, I'm happy to be able to share this story with others. And uh, I, I don't believe in coincidences as uh, as timing would have it. Uh, I'll actually be in the Hawking Hills this weekend. Oh. Where I'll, I'll go ahead and edit and publish this this podcast. And I will hold both of you and Judy in my heart as as I do that. Thank you so much for this time together. Um, and we will hold you in your heart, in our hearts, as you work through the editing process. Thank you. And I understand you have a loss and healing program or something coming up. Yes, yeah. For those that are listening, uh, this in time, we we have a conversations on loss and healing on January twentieth via Zoom. That's from 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Annie Dalby, 
who we did a podcast with recently, will be leading that workshop. And uh, I, I certainly encourage people to attend that uh, if you're able. Well, we'd love to be there, but we think um, we'll look at what we're doing on the, on the 20th. Um, yeah. We'd love to be there in person, but we're, well, we're a few hundred miles away. Yeah, it, it'll be in, on Zoom, so yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we won't actually be in person. But thank you both again. And uh, to our listeners, thank you for joining us for Awakening Lives. This is one more way the Spirituality Network connects people with resources for spiritual growth and depth, regardless of faith tradition. Through education and training, spiritual direction for individuals and groups, and community programs and events. Ecumenical and interfaith, the Spirituality Network honors diversity and does not proselytize. If you wish to know more about our programming, please visit us at spiritualitynetwork.org, where you'll find events such as our conversations on loss and healing later this month. If you found this valuable, please share it with friends and family and uh, join us again next month as we explore ways to awaken our lives and transform the world.